welcome to Earthling Talk with Annie the Earthling, a warm space where we talk mindfulness, spirituality, life and the wonderful, magical, challenging experience that is being an earthling on this planet we call Earth. Thank you for choosing my podcast and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back everyone to Earthling Talk podcast. Today I have with me Abby from AF Nutrition. I am so excited to have you on, Abby. So Thank you I just, so much. I just wanted to start off by perhaps you just telling us a bit about you, where you're from, how you got started with doing this, all of that. Of course. Thank you for having me, Annie. Right. Um, so my name is Abby Foreman. I am a registered nutritional therapist. I am founder of AF Nutrition. And I am the creator of my Hormone Rebalance program. I work with women from all over the world with my workshops, my group coaching and my one-to-one sessions. So I hold a private online clinic as well. And I really just, um, I'm dedicated to helping women come back into their full health using tools they already possess. So um, I, I suppose I use nutrition, being a nutritional therapist, but I also bring in lifestyle factors as well. And I do specialize in female hormone health and endometriosis. Ding, ding, so, ding for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And for me too. So my, my history is endometriosis. So that's why oh, it is as, I, as, do you have endometriosis as well? Yes. Yes. So oh, that's why I specialize. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I do. Um, but when I started looking, so through my studies, my nutrition studies, I, I first went to study nutrition because I am celiac as well. I have celiac disease. And yeah, for those okay. of you who don't know what's, yep. Do you, have you heard of celiac disease before? I have. I, mm-hmm. I have thought that I have been celiac for a really long time. I've only mm. had one test from the doctor and they pretty much said that I wasn't celiac, but Every mm-hmm. time I eat gluten, I get a stomach ache. I suddenly look nine months pregnant. And <laughs> so yeah. I keep trying to go back to eating it because I love everything gluten. I love bread, pasta, <laughs> all of that. But I just keep having a bad reaction. So eventually I just keep stopping and starting and stopping and starting. But um, yeah, if you want to go ahead and tell for anyone who doesn't know what celiac is, if you want to just give a rundown. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, it's so it's so hard when you don't have that diagnosis as well. But um, it's essentially an autoimmune disease, which um, responds when we eat gluten. So every time a celiac, someone with celiac eats gluten, their body sees that gluten as a foreign object, a foreign particle, and the immune system raises an immune response to it. But instead of attacking gluten, it attacks the small intestines. And the small intestines is where we actually absorb all of our food um, through something called the villi, which might be getting really technical. But the villi are are basically, they are like little hairs, like finger-like projections on the the gut lining. And they are what soak up all the nutrients that our body's digested. And they're involved as well for producing some enzymes that help our body digest food further further down the digestive tract as well so it can cause really debilitating symptoms like you've you've just explained there but a lot of people with celiac disease don't just suffer with um digestive issues it can be a whole body issue because it's an autoimmune disease very similar to endometriosis in the sense of 
the presenting symptoms, maybe even to the extent of um, hormone issues as well. And it is quite common for women with celiac disease to also have endometriosis. So, yes, like you said, yeah, and the doctors, I mean, I don't know what it's like in Australia. And because if you don't know, if you can't tell from my accent, I am from <laughs> the UK. <laughs> I'm from the north of the UK. I live in York. Um, so yeah, in, in the UK, they just do like blood tests to begin with. And if certain markers don't come back, then they don't necessarily do any further investigation. Right. Um, so it can take a long time to kind of push to get a diagnosis. So I'm not sure what it's like in, in, the, in Australia, but I'm, I'm guessing it's similar. Well, I, when I went to the doctors, they just gave me a breath test, which I was like, how does this even work? I don't know how this is going to tell whether I'm celiac or not. And then they were like, no, you're not celiac. And I was like, Mm. I'm sure people have blood tests, but I think I just need to see a better doctor. (laughs) Yeah. And the only way to tell is by going, um, oh my God, I can't think of the the name of it, where they put like a camera down your throat and they look Uh, at the small intestine. Um, That's the other way. The colonoscopy is the other way, I think. Um, (laughs) But yeah, pretty much, pretty much they, um, and they look at the small intestine and they just basically see the villi and they have to take a biopsy of it. So um that's why yeah. it can take so long to get diagnosed but I think if you know you have those symptoms a sensible thing to do is to kind of avoid it as much as possible because yeah, that was my yeah. next question because I know people who have been fructose intolerant and celiac and have had that surgery that I also forget the name of and they have had it confirmed but I've just kind of been not scared to have the surgery, but more of a just can't be bothered kind of thing because I know that I feel better when I stop eating gluten and when I eat it, mm-hmm. I don't feel good. So part of me is like, oh, why? Like, even if I had a confirmed no that I wasn't celiac, then I'm still having these issues. So I was like, well, what's the point? But mm. further to my question, do you think that it is bad to not eat gluten if I'm not actually celiac what are your thoughts um I think if you're getting symptoms from eating gluten then it's sensible to avoid it I mean to be honest most food that has gluten in is majority majority processed food um however Mm. things like sourdough bread even homemade pasta they they can be a healthy part of a, of a balanced diet I think if the body responds to it there might be which is quite common in endometriosis as well there might be some underlying gut issues that well Definitely. there probably will be some underlying <laughs> gut issues yeah even if you're celiac disease or you're not celiac but you have something like endometriosis or you're reacting reacting to gluten um, and that's kind of where I would would really start is working on kind of restoring that that digestive integrity and yeah. then usually what I see with clients is they still react to rubbish gluten processed food and it could be many different ingredients in that food not just the gluten Mm. but sometimes they can tolerate things like a a traditional traditionally prepared sourdough bread so that's been fermented for a long period of time because the fermentation eats the gluten so someone with celiac disease like myself I wouldn't eat that but if you don't have celiac disease 
yeah, and okay. you can tolerate it, then then you could you could have that. I think the problem with gluten mainly is it is quite um, it does cause a lot of chaos on the bo- on the digestive system and then the overall body. However, I do think it's how it's grown and farmed and harvested yeah, today. Yeah that's that's the problem it's it's genetically modified so it's Mm. chemically it's chemically grown and then the wheat flour that we use if you read the packets in the supermarket of wheat flour or bread or just anything with gluten in or flour in you will see that it's fortified with so many nutrients including a lot of iron and um iron can be be a big issue when it comes to autoimmunity and things like endometriosis as well especially the fortified the fortified version so I I I am doing a lot of reading at the moment around that and the impact of these fortified nutrients and how they can cause a lot of dysregulation so I think there's a bigger picture there yeah right and with those fortified ingredients would that be on the store-bought gluten-free bread as well yes yeah damn it (laughs) yeah (laughs) I know that's the thing I mean obviously the gluten-free bread doesn't have the gluten and I don't know in in Australia there might be better products in the UK if you have any UK uh, listeners I like my gluten-free bakery it's called it's not the best but it's they use less ingredients and they use better quality ingredients it's not as fortified but then I also I don't know what the regulations are around if you're just buying a packet of flour. I don't know what the regulations are around them listing what they put in that flour. Um, That's something, sometimes it is listed and Mm. sometimes it just says plain flour. I'm not 100% sure. So we just have to do the best we can with the the food we have. I actually brought a bread maker recently, um, but I need to get a sourdough starter (laughs) yeah I've been using my gluten-free flour but it always comes out quite cakey so I'm gonna work on my recipe (laughs) (laughs) oh gluten-free bacon is the worst oh it really is and it's taken me a long time to try and find gluten-free alternatives just at the supermarket but a lot of the time I look at the back and there's so many different ingredients Mm -hmm. that I'm just like is this worse for me than just eating gluten especially because I'm not 100% sure whether I am celiac or not it's part of me is like well should I just be going for the one that has more basic ingredients and does have gluten I'm kind (laughs) of yeah the thing is if you are celiac and you remove the majority of gluten and then just have a sourdough because it's because it's low gluten you might not have any symptoms but you could potentially still be doing damage internally Mm. potentially um it's really hard to know and a lot of time we do just have to go from symptoms if we're not getting anywhere with the medical medical community um Mm. yeah it is hard to know but you just have to do the best you can with with the food and the, the knowledge you have yeah true and I have found that when I do sort of try to reintroduce gluten I'm never doing it like in a healthy way like I'm always like yes I can eat gluten again and then I'll just eat (laughs) all of this crap (laughs) and then of course I'm going to feel bad if I'm having all of this processed food so I don't think I've ever tried actually just reintroducing 
a sourdough or a homemade bread mm. that's sourdough. So I might give that a go. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me know how it goes. So stay off gluten for a while and then just reintroduce the, the sourdough. Yeah, I will. I'll give mm. that a go. But all of good. the good, all of the good food is gluten. It's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what like what what do you what do you enjoy when you say you eat all the processed food what is it I love pasta I love wraps mm-hmm. I love bread I love like biscuits and cheese all of the all the processed stuff I love all of that <laughs> yeah I mean um biscuits you could make some gluten-free ones I have um I have a hormone rebalance cookbook and the, the recipes are just naturally gluten-free because I use real, real food. And there is yeah. a, like an, uh, a butter oat cookie recipe in yeah. there, um, which is gluten-free. But yeah, the bread, that is my, like, out of, I've been celiac since I was seven. So for yeah. well over 20 years. And I, the, the one thing is bread. Yeah, like, I just too. wish I, I wish I could eat it um yeah it's just I'm not really bothered about anything else yeah but the bread I, I wish I could enjoy because I do think like I said a sourdough a, a, a slice of sourdough each day if you can yeah. if your digestive system can manage it can contribute to to a healthy diet um and the gluten-free stuff is just like cardboard and it's got yeah. loads of rubbish in it so you're just losing all the time um yeah, true. and I find there's good substitutes for everything else except for bread like there's lots of good gluten-free crackers and biscuits mm-hmm. but there's no good well, none that I've found yet. <laughs> no yeah. free bread. Yeah, I think some places, I don't know what it's like in Australia, some places like bakeries might do a gluten-free sourdough, but they have to have the space to do that because yeah. obviously a bakery is just full of gluten. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, there's challenges. Anyways, <laughs> moving on from gluten, <laughs> moving on from talking about bread. <laughs> so... Why did you become a nutritionist? I think you sort of answered this before because you said oh, yeah. overall you you want to help women. And I guess, is that your overall purpose? Yeah, so I, I actually started studying nutrition um, because of my celiac disease and, and the symptoms I was having. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to go down, down the nutrition route. Um, and then during my nutrition studies, I was diagnosed with endometriosis and I was quite lucky actually because I was getting like endo flares and, and period pains and I, I knew it wasn't right. And because of, because of my studies, so I really, excuse me, sorry, <clears throat> I really pushed for answers. Um, yeah. and, and now obviously I work with a lot of women and I realise that if I hadn't have had that insight and that knowledge that this wasn't normal I wouldn't know where I would I would still be because it takes so long doesn't it for women we're always dismissed by the medical community um so yeah I was diagnosed with endometriosis it was in my final year of studies everything was coming to a head I was working full-time I was studying full-time and it was just a lot of stress. I'd just recently moved cities and, you know, there was a lot going on. And mm. um, I think the whole stress just triggered triggered the endometriosis. And, right. um, and that's really where my 
my passion started to lie. So I, I, after I qualified, I just started seeing clients. I got a lot of gut health clients. So working on my di their digestive health and it just, na I naturally started to attract women, especially women with like painful periods, endometriosis. Yeah. And I was like, this is, this is what I meant to do. This is what I just felt the passion. I connected with the women yeah. Um, and I just it, I really enjoy working with other women a lot of the work I do is digestive health as well because the gut is kind of the portal to to our health I suppose so yeah. um yeah that that's kind of how I got into specializing yeah in great. hormones mm. and I think that the fact that you have endometriosis I think can help other people so much because just having like one of the really hard things about endometriosis I find is people not believing you. And mm -hmm. I think to have a specialist that you can lean on that actually has gone through it would be so helpful. And when you said you had mm -hmm. endometriosis, I was like, Oh, yay. Like not yay, <laughs> but, but it's so nice to talk to someone and just be able to relate to someone because I don't have any friends that have endometriosis. So when I talk about my pain and my symptoms, I kind of, I feel like they don't understand or fully mm -hmm. grasp just how much pain it is and just how much it really negatively affects my life. So I think that's really great for all your clients that also have endometriosis to be able to know that you actually, you really know. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's people who don't suffer with it think oh it's like period pain yeah it's just extreme it's like extreme period pain and I mean period pain in itself is debilitating like PMS is debilitating and it's not Definitely. something that should be ignored um and then endometriosis for me I think it's the 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 kind of mental health side of it that the emotional side that comes along with it again that that contributes from kind of being dismissed or not having many yeah. people to speak to or that understands it um so yeah there's a whole host of things that are going on when working with someone who has endometriosis or a chronic health health issue so mm. yeah I do I just I suppose I want to give um I, I find when I when clients come to me they've usually exhausted um the surgery the, the yeah. medicines have exhausted all options and they come to me and they are so emotional and they just let everything out <laughs> they just yep. talk to me and let everything out and they just so feel you're a therapist as well <laughs> yeah essentially they feel this sense of relief that someone is just listening Definitely. just listening and taking things in and um yeah so so that I think that's why I enjoy the work I do I just enjoy connecting with people like I suppose like you said because I've gone through it and I don't know many people personally with it but since since I've started working in the area, loads of people who I do know have come out and said, oh yeah, I have that. Mm. And again, it's just not something that really comes up in conversation or that yeah. we discuss because um, we're kind of made to feel, you know, we can't talk about periods and we can't talk about yeah. female health. Um, yeah. Whereas I, I try and change that, that narrative. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> lot, and yeah. the other thing is sometimes I feel like I don't want to tell people out of fear that they might think like, especially around work because it can mm. affect me physically being able to go to work. I mm. worry about telling people because I think, Oh, they're going to think that I 
like can't function as a normal human. So therefore I'm like, wouldn't get equal opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Like I fear yeah. that people, people will think I'm not less than, but not as capable because I do have something that does debilitate me. So I think there's a lot oh, of it's... like, there's, I do like, I don't like the thought of being like, oh, well, sometimes I can't do things like that that is also really affects my mental health because mm-hmm. like today for instance I went surfing with a friend and before I left I had the worst pain but I knew that it potentially could just go away by the time that I drove to the beach and mm-hmm. the mental game of being like well I don't want to cancel on my friend again and will they actually believe me and this particular friend would absolutely believe me and knows all about endometriosis but more so with other friends, I just think if I'm cancelling so much, are they just going to like not really believe? And also because they don't have endometriosis, they don't understand that the extent of the pain that I'm in. So mm-hmm. for them, they might think, oh, well, you know, I've got my period too. Like I'm making the effort, but like it's just so different. And I think as well with endometriosis, because it's got that link to being a gynecological disease it has that just dismissal of people going yeah mm-hmm. that's a period thing rather than people like a lot of people don't realize that it can be a full body disease and that you can get it in your lungs as well like there's all this yeah. misinformation and also just not enough information widespread that it just yeah it sometimes I don't like to talk openly about it because I don't want to I don't know, for people to, yeah, think that I'm not capable of doing things as well. So I like try to be an advocate, but then I also try to sometimes just unknowingly try to hide it as well. So it's Mm. just such a mental, mental battle. (laughs) Oh, it's so, it's so sad to, to think that we go through that. And I think that's just the, (laughs) the story of women in so many ways. It really Um, is, yeah but as there's a the pain cycle that we go through and how that can actually contribute to our pain so it's that the anxiety that comes with oh my god I'm getting a little bit of pain and I've got these plans and will I need to cancel them what will they think of this and that can actually drive the pain even more because essentially it's anxiety it's stress Mm. And we know what what that can do to the body. Um, And there's a lot of like psychology around the pain, which I definitely don't want to say. I'm not saying that that means the pain's in (laughs) in our head. That's absolutely (laughs) not what I'm saying. The pain is physical, it is there. But um, if we didn't have this label of endometriosis and um, this issue with people not understanding or feeling like we can't openly talk about it, if we got a little bit of pain, would the pressure be there Mm. to that yeah would the would we feel the pressure of instantly kind of going into this anxiety cycle um because I I completely understand where where you're coming from and I suppose that is what the whole point of my work is to get women to a place where they have less and less pain cycles or that they can manage them much more better so they can how, yeah, if they have less and less pain cycles or, and less and less endo flares, then they don't have to think about cancer plans. They can go and yeah, about yeah. their daily lives without without worrying. Um, and then when they do have 
pain because at the end of the day it's a chronic health condition there are going to be times where endo flares come up yeah um you know try to see it as a message that the body is giving us so if ever I have a flare I'm like yeah I've been doing too much I've been pushing my body too much I've not been nurturing it I've not been practicing what I preach um and it's just a reminder that okay no I need to take that extra care of myself and I you know for a long time you feel guilty for taking time out and for definitely guilt is what I and the word guilt and like laziness as well like the thought Mm -hmm. of people thinking I'm the reason I'm laying on the couch is because I'm lazy but I cannot I cannot physically get up sometimes yeah (laughs) like I would love to be doing so much I would love to be being productive and going out and doing things and socializing like I do I do not know why anyone would think I'd want to be (laughs) just laying on the couch incapable of doing anything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think working through that, I still get it now if I'm, I know that um, at least once a week, I need like an afternoon or a couple of hours to myself completely. Yeah. Even without my boyfriend, like nobody around. I feel like I I need that daily. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, some people do. And I probably, I did once over. And when I'm, I have a lot on and I've got overwhelmed, I do need it daily. I need that that, because I personally replenish my energy from being on my own. Me too. Yes. I feel that. Thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Part two will be released in the next few days. If you'd like to find Abby, you can either look at her Instagram handle in the show notes or you can search it now. Abby is at AF underscore nutrition on Instagram. So you can check out her work there and see more of what she's doing. Thank you so much for listening. I'd love to end this episode with, as always, a deep breath in. And out. Drop your shoulders. Unclench your jaw. Relax your eyebrows. I hope you have a lovely day and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I can't wait to see you on the next one.